The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. Day by day and facing different problems. And when you look at the big uh, picture behind the device, you realize that you need uh, these uh, rooms on your team. But the most difficult was that we didn't have a farm behind us. Just while senior people in its position. And we tried to solve the vision, my vision, let's say I had for the company to give some equity of the company uh, where the value of equity was very low. And when you come to work in a company that you have no salary for the first months, but you have a vision to make something very big, uh, very unique. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast Season 6, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, you are in the right place if you're looking for a show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we launched season six with two episodes. In case you weren't noticing or might have missed it, we had a great conversation with Inez Sagrario from Econoki and Amy Wu, the chief content officer of From Farms to Incubators. Great conversations, two powerhouses in the world of vertical farming. So please make sure you go check those out if you haven't already. This week, we have a conversation with founder and CEO of CityCrop, Christos Raftiogiannis. Hopefully, I've pronounced that correctly. He joins the show to share his passion for agriculture and talks about how the indoor ag tech industry has been evolving in Greece and the challenge of assembling a team to take on the complexities of building a company there. We engage in a discussion about what inspired him to launch CityCrop and how he's grown as a founder and the work they're doing to modernize and democratize farming as a key to healthier and greener living, which is something that's top of mind and really a passion for me on this show as I have these conversations. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with uh, Christos. His energy is infectious. 
And I know you'll be able to get a feeling for his passion for this field and how excited he is. If you've enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating or review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out on a future episode. One quick production note, my mic was definitely a little hot. So if it sounds like it's clipping a little bit, I apologize ahead of time. Hopefully that doesn't take away from this fantastic conversation. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Christos, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Vertical Farming Weekly. Each week, our team member Noah brings you the latest and greatest in the world of vertical farming, including updates when episodes go live. Sign up today at verticalfarmingweekly.com. This podcast is produced by Fullcast, our full-service done-for-you podcast agency. If you are interested in learning how a podcast would be beneficial for your brand, learn more at fullcast.co. So Christos Raftogianis, founder and CEO of City Crop, thank you for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thank you, Fari. Thank you all for having me. It's my great pleasure. So for the benefit of the listener, where is home for you right now? I'm in my home country in Greece, and uh, I'm in Athens, Greece right now. Okay. Where did you grow up? I born here in Athens, but I grew up in a small uh, city near Athens called uh, Levandia. It is a city about uh, 25 people. Then I went to Crete, in Heraklion, Crete, to study, to study agricultural engineering. And then I went to the army because here you need to go for nine months. It's not an okay. option. You need to go. I went in a, in another island in Rhodes. I don't know if you know it. I don't think so. No. There is a same name with Rhodes in uh, near in New York. Again, oh, okay. in an island. Yeah, I was there for nine months, and then I came again to Athens to finalize my thesis. And I started working in a company for uh, garden designing, uh, landscaping, uh, etc. After that, I created my own company for garden design, but was in a period we had the crisis uh, here in Greece and the garden was a luxury thing. And didn't go very well. And after that, I came up with City Group in mid 2014. Okay. So uh, just a couple of questions, because I'm curious, because you went to study at the School of Agriculture, Agriculture in Crete, and I'm wondering if that was a, just a very early passion for you, agriculture, where, where that came from, if that's something that maybe came through family, or I'm just curious how that started, that passion for you. My family and my father is a mechanical engineer, nothing close to agriculture, but from my grandpa, we have some fields oil, uh, with soil uh, trees. Maybe it's very common in Greece. Everyone has an oil tree in their village. <laughs> yeah, I go to farthest, let's say, the olive trees when I was young, but was like a game, a playground for me. In the fields, I didn't uh, go for actual work. I really love the... Um, the forest, the agricultural things, the environment. And that was the reason I went to study agriculture. And then as you were in your studies, what was it that you were learning about the processes of agriculture? And you were, I know you were working on your thesis and you've also 
you've had a TED talk about indoor farming. So I'm curious, what is it you were learning about this world of agriculture? And when did you decide it was more interesting to pursue what was happening with indoor farming as opposed to traditional agriculture? Yeah, I went to the university in uh, 2005. The indoor farming wasn't something uh, special. Maybe we didn't hear that. But also the first uh, one and a half years was very general in order to go deeper in the agriculture thing and botanology and etc. Cetera, et cetera. I was a bit boring regarding agriculture. But then we had the, uh, how can I call it? Um, sorry. We had a lesson, let's say, for hydroponics, where was a spike for me. We started learning NFT, raft systems in indoor environment, but not with vertical skeptic behind that. After that lesson, yeah, it was very interesting for me. And then I take a subject for my thesis on the same theme about hydroponics, indoor farming, etc. And did you know of any other people in the space? Were you connected to other entrepreneurs? Is this the first time you were thinking about doing something on your own? Not exactly. In Greece, we have a bad thing. The, the universities don't have the entrepreneurial mindset to the student. You go to study something and then you're alone and old to go out and find something to work. And this is not a good thing because they don't grow your mindset to that. Okay, you do a thesis and this is, should be a product or something close to a product, not, not just a product, or uh, you do your PhD and you need to send it somewhere or uh, someone, other people to use it or to benefit from this thing. But this is not in, uh, in, the, mindsets of, in the mindset of, of our universities. Maybe this thing have changed year by year, but then it wasn't. So where were you looking for inspiration? And if it's not something that was common when you were doing your studies and when you were thinking of starting a company, where do you go to get inspired and to get ideas for what to build? Yeah, from my school uh, age and the business. Also, my father had a store regarding the mechanical engineering things. Okay. I was there like to sell things, to speak with customers. Etc. And then I sent a lot to the internet. I had an idea when I did my thesis, when it was to grow things in a indoor in a greenhouse that worked with hydroponic method, not fully autom fully automated, but we had the NFT. So and, uh, the climate control was uh, zero. But then I started uh, thinking that okay, we're growing things here. But everyone, men in Greece, when go to buy something and uh, know that is produced through a method like hydroponics or in a greenhouse, have concerns. Maybe has a lot of pesticides and this uh, kind of things. And then start thinking, what if I scale down a greenhouse to make it like a home device and everyone can grow their own fresh food that you know the seeds from the beginning. That was the first uh, thing. Did you look to partner with or for inspiration when you started City Crop? And 
is the version that you have now what you had in your mind when you started it, the first prototypes? The vision is almost the same, which is good. I write vision in 2004, 14. My co-founder, I met my co-founder through another job. She did for us the norm for the German company. And then we keep speaking, etc. And we started together City Group. But quickly, if I realized that we need more people. We were going to create a hardware product and we know nothing about hardware. And we tried to find people in uh, mechanical engineering, electronics, in uh, programming, in uh, software, uh, firmware, a lot of things. And as we are saying, hardware is hard and software, it's soft. It's not exactly easy. <laughs> That, but we say also good people, great people, then harder. But okay, we starting growing our team just to create the first prototype where we looked to create a very fancy prototype, but we didn't have in our mind that this needs to manufacture and order to be in a supply chain. And this changed a lot of things. The product we have now, it's the seven design from the first one. And so when you are thinking about the different prototypes and the different versions, what type of feedback were you getting from customers? Because I imagine the early prototypes, you were putting them in the hands, you're putting them in homes probably, and you're getting feedback. And obviously you're testing the software, you're testing the hardware, but you're also testing the crops themselves and seeing if they are growing and people are enjoying them as well. So what type of feedback were you getting with those first prototypes? Yeah, I think the crops was the most easy thing from all the others. And the first thing we test was, is this is the shape or the dimension of the device a good for the cows? Because in the whole Europe, the cows are uh, pretty small. Even in U.S., in big cities, the houses are, are also small, the apartments mainly. Then uh, we started thinking, we had a clear, how can I say this? The whole device was from a clear, from a polycarbonate. Okay. And then we had the feedback about that, that uh, it is very bright in night because we had the lights open 14 to, eight, to 16 hours. And there was a feed, and the very valuable feedback was that the device is very bright. And it is very difficult to stay in the sale in the sale with the device. Another thing was the noise, and because we have a thing like air condition in order to cool and keep the device. Also, we have a pump, a water pump, air pump, and everything else should be very, very, very quiet. And this was two difficult uh, things. Also, we tried to keep the consumption uh, very low, like a green device. Next difficult things was regarding the app, the first time setup, like to be a very easy setup with you place it, you connect it to your Wi-Fi, you fill the tank with water, you add the nutrients, and then you add the seeds, and that's it. But in real life, wasn't uh, too easy because our device was the first uh, totally modular where you can buy the first module, then you can add another one, another one, another one. And in order to work, you need to connect pipes in the back of the device. You need to connect the a cable 
to communicate when the device uh, communicates. Um, this was the things that we needed the value from the feedback from our customers and helped us a lot. In order to the final device has come a lot of changes regarding this feedback. So was the device connected to the internet as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like Alexa. You push a button, the device is a hotspot now, and then through our application, through our app, you connect it on the device and then uh, you give the credentials about the Wi-Fi you want to connect. It sounds like, Christos, there's uh, so many moving parts because what you just described sounds like very complicated when you have to get everything working together. So I'm curious, your biggest company in terms of you leading it as a CEO, how do you think about building a team with so many different skill sets because you've described software, you've described hardware, and then that's just the mechanics that you have to just create and grow something that's going to taste good as well. And where do you start to look when you, as you start to think about building a team that can help you with all these challenges? Yep. Day by day and facing different problems. And when you look at the big picture behind the device, you realize that you need the these uh, rooms on your team, but the most difficult was that we didn't have a fan behind us, just while senior people in its position. And we tried to solve the vision, my vision, let's say, I had for the company to give some equity of the company uh, where the value of equity was very low. And when you come to work in a company that you have no salary, for the first months, but you have a vision to make something very big, uh, very unique. And now we are uh, nine with uh, two co-founders. And I think we did it well in those difficult times for Greece. What has been most, when you think about your journey as a leader and as a CEO, how have you grown from being yourself to a co-founder and then hiring and now managing and leading people, what has been some of that growth since starting the company for you personally? I think I grew through my mistakes because it was my first venture, bigger company than uh, even common company in Greece, like the Darth and the Designing, where I didn't know a lot of things about the manufacturing, uh, injection molding, uh, software, firmware, how you can combine everything. And I think I learned a lot of things. First, lose money. And second, make mistakes. Or you go to pay for an MBA or you fail your mistakes. <laughs> and so now that the company is growing, I've seen that you have a wide variety of leafy greens, microgreens, lettuces, herbs, exotic. How do you decide what to offer in the container? And, and how did that happen over time? I imagine you probably started with leafy green. And then are you working with seed developers? Or how do you figure out which produce you're making available in, in the city crop device? Uh, the driver about that was to have things that the people want to grow. And also to have things that grow very fast. Every plant we decide to add in our device, we want to have a grown time about 20 to 30, 32 days. Also, as our device works like Nespresso, we have a subscription model. Like every month, we send you the seed marks, let's say, 
with the scenes are already included in, on the scene files. And you just like, you know, uh, put the scenes on the scene maps on the device, and the device started growing. The, the main thing was to have leafy greens because grow very fast, or micro greens, and a good value on the diet of the people. And also have a value when you will go to a competitive value when you can go to buy it from a grocery store because it is uh, fresher, has uh, more uh, vitamins, and have no pesticides. And the development, we did the development with uh, some developers, of course, and also we found uh, some servings for our customers. Where, what you would like, what you would like to grow. Okay, strawberry is a very easy thing, but uh, strawberries needs about uh, 40, 45 days or uh, tomato stale need the same days, almost. This was the way we built the database for our plant sorghum, but we adding nowadays, today we have the 65, about 65 different varieties. We will reach about 80, 85 by the end of year. What's been the feedback from clients and what's the distribution? Do you have city crops in just homes or is it a combination of businesses and homes or is it restaurants? What's the business model in terms of the people that you serve with the device? Mainly our customers are B2C customers. As we build the device was for consumers, but we come as well B2B customers like LAMS or hotels, we have three hotels here in Greece that are growing microgreens for their restaurants. A very interesting collaboration is with Elam that are growing a specific plant of tobacco where they take the leaves to extrude and like an, an oil thing. And so we have a collaboration to testing the first plant they will add to their productions, to their production. Is that the first time you're working with a tobacco plant in this environment? Yep. We started development the tobacco plant just for this lamb. That's interesting. And I think that's the first time I've heard people, someone growing specifically tobacco in this environment. Were there any challenges with that plant? Obviously, it's not something that's normally grown indoors. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that normally growing indoors. It uh, wasn't too difficult. We tested some temperature and the humidity. We took the recipe from uh, Natusis regarding the hydroponic solution. And then we keep testing the environment in the lamb. Every month we change a bit the temperature on the plants till we find the perfect recipe. That's interesting. And I feel like if you can get that model right, there's probably an opportunity, a bigger opportunity to work with laboratories and research facilities who need access to those plants very close so they can continuously do testing on them for the projects they're working on as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Indeed, even for plants that it's easy to find it down or to outsource these plants, maybe you can outsource the plants of tobacco, but maybe have pesticides or other stuff on it. I noticed that you had some, you did some work with the Hellenic Initiative and that you also were part of the Venture Impact Awards. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? As a startup, we are chasing the competitions just to, to stay to stay alive. It is an initiative from uh, Greeks that born in the US 
and creating this initiative to help Greek entrepreneurs and Greek people. And it uh, was a call for, uh, for that competition. We have applied for many competitions and it was another one. We had the criteria for the competition and we took the first position. First place. Yes, first place. What was that like? And did you feel it was a validation of the work you had put yeah. up until that point? Because I don't know how many people were you were competing against, but to take first place in an initiative like that, I would imagine is demonstrating that you're doing something that's getting people's attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in every competition, mainly in the competition, there are a lot of different companies in different sectors. And in different growth of the companies that are in states or seen states, series A, etc. But yeah, it is a thing that you start knowing that you created something that has value for some people. And you have done something right at this time, which is a very good force to go forward towards better. Yeah. I'm curious, Christos, what is the indoor farming landscape look like in Greece? And what was it like when you started? And what does it look like now? And how is it growing? When I started, we have a lot of indoor farming in Greece, and mainly in uh, big brick houses. Also in Crete, there are huge things that are covered with the green houses. It is uh, when you look from above, it is everything with the green house. Like the total area, it's, it's covered. But yeah. everything is uh, not connected with uh, less automations. Even are not hydroponic because the, to create a hydroponic greenhouse is, uh, is expensive. But from 2010, 11, we have uh, here about uh, five assumed uh, hydroponic greenhouses, mainly for tomatoes and peppers. And the whole production is exporting, or the 90% of the production. And what does the landscape look like now when it comes to indoor farming? Do you see more and more companies coming in from outside? Do you see more homegrown companies from within Greece starting in indoor ag tech as well? And are they focused on more of the big production or some of the consumer products like you are? We are the only company we have focused on the home growing. The other companies are established companies, major companies that have created something for indoor. Yeah, the hydroponic sector here in Greece is more mature today than 2005 or 2010. But we don't have greenhouses or in the farms for medical cannabis because here it is not legal yet because no it's not exactly right this it is legal but you need to have uh, specific things to grow and i think we have uh, three four companies one from Israel, one from canada and which is a uh, huge companies and uh, you can't compete them right now even the growers from greece so as you think about the roadmap for city crop Three years is probably a long time, but just a year from now, what do you feel like is the plan for you moving forward in terms of the growth and plans you have for expansion? This is a very good question. Yep. And 
one of the most difficult things was uh, to train our consumers because uh, we had a very new product in the market. Now we have uh, competitors, but competitors that keep working and selling devices are 10, 12 in the whole globally. And that's the reason we created a smaller uh, device and we call it Citicro Micro in order to give a very competitive price and to bring more people in Citigroup, to bring more uh, Citigroupers, just some, like an entry-level device to start growing with this small device with less features, but with the same technology. And then if they want, they can jump with a good discount to our uh, bigger devices. The next step for the 22 and uh, from the beginning of 23 is to push the sales for the micro device and also for, for one and twin and to be well established in some countries that we have a good presence, like Netherlands, Denmark, and Norway, and also to increase our retail stores in, in Europe and then to the service providers. And do you actually have retail stores now? We have the one in Netherlands and three in Greece. Okay. And did you discover with the creation of the micro device that was a good entryway for people who are, like you said, they need to be educated, they need to be trained on the benefits of something like this, if especially if it's something new for them. And do you find that the micro, because the price difference is really big between the micro and the normal device, and is this a good way for people to experiment and to try out CityCrop? Regarding the mainly is the price, because we have uh, work in a different business model, like a leasing model with a bigger subscription, in order to bring a lot of sales and to make a bigger produce, in order to reduce the cost and then to reduce the retail price of the device. Is it think the price and the differentiation of the price from the micro to one and to twin? It's huge and it is common. And I have shared this from another two people. And I have started thinking that it is good this uh, different or someone will say, okay, this is not be a good product because it is a very cheap regarding the other two. But okay, we believe that we can starting educating people with this small device, like to invest a small amount of your money, and then you can go to the bigger of our device, which has a lot of features, etc., etc. And also this is a reason that we sold about 100 devices in schools from the small one. Yeah. Just to start training the children and the kids in a classroom. I feel like that's a good approach because educating people about what's possible, about what you can grow indoors, and especially when you start with someone at a young age, they grow up knowing that that's possible. And so it sparks their interest. It sparks their curiosity. Some of the majority of them will think it's fun that you can grow lettuce, but it also, I think for a small group of students, it could even have them thinking about this is an industry. This is a career. This is a possible job for me. I can consider when I get older. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when you are young, you learn and you accept things easily than an older guy. I have shared in exhibitions a lot of things that. What is hydrophonics? Will you poison me with this? 
And then you start trying to explain that already you have consumed something that it has produced through hydroponics methods. And then start thinking for wider and better when you tell that you are eating tomatoes or chain tomatoes. Yeah, most of the chain tomatoes are produced through hydroponics. Then we're going to keep discussing. But that to train and educate people is one of the most difficult things and you mm-hmm. need the money and the time and people to do it right. One idea that I can offer is to reach that demographic of the children. Maybe you can create a children's book on hydroponics <laughs> <laughs> produced by City Crop, a coloring book or just a children's book illustrator to just draw some beautiful pictures, but in the form of like something that would get their eye, like a children's book or a children's story. And then you could introduce the story of hydroponics yeah. produced by, provided, promoted by City Crop. <laughs> this is a very good idea to create the new generation of City Croppers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then you can get creative. And then if maybe, if people see it as a design, maybe if you could create it in a way where you could replace the panels and so you could have the city crop micro, but in different colors, like neon colors or something like that. So people can now <laughs> add their own, their own creativity and design to it as well. So, so also to create some NFTs. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned NFTs a couple of times. Do you mean specifically like NFTs, like we're talking about now, crypto NFTs, or is this something different? Yeah, it was for a joke right now regarding NFTs, but yeah, it was a non-fudgeable token. <laughs> have you had support or have you gotten the attention of the state or any of the government organizations? Do they see this as an opportunity to help grow and support entrepreneurs who are doing something that are based in Greece and growing in a new industry? Yeah, yeah. We have support from the government, even if maybe we'll have the better support if we create something bigger to solve the problem in some areas that is difficult to grow. Like if you create a container, a vertical farming container, which is very common, and we can do it to use our technology to have the right climate, the pH, the sea levels, etc. But the thing is that we're losing our scope for the company. We believe in the B2C market, in the consumers, that in some years from now, the devices like Citigroup will be mainstream for the house. And we don't looking very seriously to create a bigger device, like a container device. Maybe closing okay. for us in order to have support is to create a closet where a bigger city club, like a closet, where we can place it in, in a supermarket or in schools again for the loans or for the loan, for the dinner of the kids, and this kind of devices. So as we come to the close of our conversation, just had a couple more questions. Obviously, this is something that has is a passion for you. Sounds like it's obviously been a challenge and exciting, and I'm sure every day you have new adventures and new challenges. So when you look at the future and how this industry is growing, I'm curious for you personally, Christos, what continues to keep you motivated? One of the biggest things is the climate change and also is the the urbanization. We need to keep growing, to growing more in closer to our cities. And I strongly believe that our technology can help 
people to start drawing closer to their house and to their needs. Near to growing next in the next doors. This is the main thing that pushes us to work harder and harder every day. That's very motivational because it's definitely a challenge that's obviously not something that's specific to Greece. It's a challenge that's happening across this globe. And I think to see more and more people coming up with ideas to support our need to have local access to fresh food, educating people that come from the cities, because I grew up in New York, I lived in New York City, and some, there's people that have never even visited a farm and you don't have any idea where fresh produce comes from you know, here in the, in the States. They fly it in from California, 3,000 miles to get to your plate on New York. And I think even if it's just educating people that you can have fresh food locally, if you know where to look, I think is really important. Yeah, I live also here in Greece. Some of the children, they don't have see how a fruit starting growing, which is crazy. And it's the thing that you can take a small device and you come it in your countertop and you can see how the things are growing. Yeah. So we, this audience is a large group of indoor farmers, company owners, CEOs, and people who are interested in the space. With this audience, is there anything that you have that you have as an ask or you have as a request to the listeners? Yeah, maybe as we are all in the same sector, okay, in a different scale, like bigger indoor farms and B2C products to... We could create collaborations in order to grow more things closer to the cities to, this is difficult to change technologies because there is a lot of IP in the middle, but yeah, good uh, collaborations will be the best thing that all of us go forward because the scope is one to bring the food closer to the people. Yeah, it seems like everyone is on the same mission. And I think sometimes people think that there's, if people are doing similar things, that it's competition. But I think to your point, and then what I'm hearing from you is that I think if we think about it creatively, there's always going to be an opportunity to find ways we can work together, collaborate. Maybe it's open source, maybe it's sharing ideas, best practices. I think everyone so far that I've spoken to has that mindset of this is something that's needed and the more companies that are working on this problem, the better. And so for right now, it's a good thing. And I think there should be an ability to find ways to work together, which I think is positive. It's, yeah, so we are in the same sector, but if one from large indoor farm come to me and ask me to introduce the sim to a greenhouse in Greece, it's not something competitive for me. It's okay. We are in the same sector, but we're doing different things. And maybe the opposite for me. What would be the opposite for you? Yeah, to have some introduction somewhere. Like, not something, uh, I don't have something specific in my mind right now. Just okay. thinking yeah. out loud. Yeah. Okay. So the website is citycrop.io. Is there any other place you want to send listeners to, to connect with you or the company? Through our social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and you don't have the net present us, but we want to create more videos, but mainly in uh, Instagram yeah. and uh, Facebook. 
Okay. So I'll make sure that we have all the links in the show notes. So when people listen to this episode, they can see all the links and the details in the description of this episode. Christos, I want to thank you for connecting with me and to reaching out. And there's so much interesting things happening in this space. It's hard to keep on top of everything. So sometimes people come to me and like you did, and we had a nice conversation. And I'm just excited to tell your story and to see what's happening in Greece when it comes to indoor farming. Yeah. Thank you too for coming me. You had a very, very nice talk. And when you come to Greece, well, you can send me, of course. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Anna. Yeah. It's on the list of beautiful places I want to see <laughs> visit. So I'll definitely keep you in mind. I appreciate the offer. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Christos for coming on the show and sharing his story. As always, full show notes available at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. We go out of our way to make sure those are fully detailed and reflect the conversation so you can focus on listening and not so much as taking notes. So please check those out. We have a summary, key takeaways, timestamps, quotes, any resources mentioned in there as well, verticalfarmingpodcast.com. Special thanks to our Season 6 title sponsor, Cultivated. If you are looking into a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at Cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last E. For those that are listening and are in the Middle East, I will be at the AGRA-ME conference in Dubai on October 26th and 27th. I'm partnering with Cultivated. We'll be interviewing some of the CEOs on site, and I'll actually have a booth there as well. So it'll be a very exciting time, my first time in that area. If you are in the Dubai region and you want to connect with me, reach out to me directly, harry at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co about how a podcast could be helpful for your business or brand. And as a reminder, if you are enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I get really excited when I see those and I'm really happy to read those out on a future episode. Tune in next episode for my conversation with Eric Eisel of Growflux. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published. 